Hello and welcome to the Dangerous Freedom Podcast. My name is Jill and this is the kind of audio podcast in which if you want to get value from it, you have to actually listen to it. It's not clickbait. It's not quick, fast, tell you what you want to hear, confirm your current beliefs and biases, filter out the rest and have a good day. So what I would suggest is if you are really interested in a different take, a different kind of analysis, I would grab something to write with so you've got some points to put down to think about and make some decisions about and go from there. So with that, I'm going to take a deep breath. My long-term people will know what that means. In through the nose and out through the mouth or nose, just getting that air into the lower lungs because that is where the magic happens. And so here we go. Well, today is March 1st, 2022. And if you are new, you're asking yourself, who am I and why should you listen to me? Well, I've been asking myself that question a lot this last week because we are in the brink and in the midst of World War III, or you could say we're actually already involved in World War III. And that doesn't even include all the other factors on the table. There's so many things on the table that it's hard to know what to focus on, what to think about, what's important, and really at the end of the day, what are you going to do about it? And so I always reduce things into two aspects. There's the philosophical and the abstraction, which is all the intellectual opinionating and opining and analyzing and reporting that we get in the public so frequently that doesn't really tell us anything other than just more information about what often can be reduced to a very simple bottom line. And then there's the practical. What am I going to eat? Where am I going to live? How am I going to stay safe? How am I going to survive? And the problem is, is as a Western civilization, we've gotten so caught up in the luxury of being able to spend a lot of time in the intellectual abstractions and philosophies that we put very little effort into the practical. Now, I have spent a professional career as a social worker, as a crisis therapist, as a frontline worker, which is why this whole process is called Wired for Danger. My personal take is really for those who are like me, whose primary default in the face of danger is to fight, is to move forward, is to react, as opposed to the other two, which we all have, which is to freeze up or to run away, flight. So it's fight, flight, and freeze. All of us, every human being, engages in all three types of nervous system responses. But there's a small percentage of people who, when faced with overwhelming danger, even at the risk to their own lives, run towards it. And that is the audience that I'm primarily speaking to because that's the perspective that I best understand. But that doesn't mean that you won't get value from what we talk about if that's not who you are. Because again, we all have three systems that initiate when we are feeling stressed or fear or uncertainty. And if you're not feeling fear, stress, and uncertainty right now, Either you are a super highly evolved person or 
you are completely oblivious <laughs> to what's going on out in the world. And the reason that the level, I think, of fear and uncertainty is so high right now is that 99.999% of what's happening to us feels out of control for us. And for those who are wired to run towards the problem, you have to ask yourself, well, which problem do I want to run to? Which one can I actually contribute to? And the bigger issue in today's world is, am I being manipulated to run towards a problem that isn't the real problem that's just using up all my time, my energy, my efforts, getting me off track and taking away from some of the practical things I should be investing my time in. And that's where I've been struggling because 99.99% of what's happening is one, we can't do anything about it out in the world. And two, so much of it is contrived and manipulated and engineered to, to, to elicit a response from us. Three, all that time and energy is being wasted away from taking practical steps. And that moves me into what I've been doing for the last 10 plus years. And that's trying to understand the basic hardcore realities of survival, meaning living in the dirt without plumbing, without electricity, uh, asking those real questions. Do I have what it takes to survive? And through that process, I have moved uh, in a direction I didn't expect. And what the wild and the wilderness has taught me is that everything we need to survive is innate and natural to us as human. But we've become so domesticated, we don't know how to survive and we've lost the skill set, which has made us very soft and vulnerable in our domestication. And when I embarked on this process, I had spent several years in what I call you know, the monastery in the mountains in which I still had a house and I could spend all my time and effort contemplating my navel, right? It was all spiritual. It was all philosophical. It was all abstract. And when I got out here, I could still participate in that. But if I didn't get super practical, I would not be able to survive. If I didn't get my water before the water faucet froze, I had no water. Now I still live within some version of civilization. So worst case scenario is I can get in the car, drive, go get water. But what point was really hammered home is I didn't have the luxury of making mistakes. And one of the observations that I've made as I've reflected over this long journey about living in a very difficult and hard way is who I was you know, with this very soft, abstract, um, what I call la-la version of reality about uh, creating a new world, not the new world order, but a world in which there's peace and harmony and everybody can get along, uh, to becoming very hardened and tough and a lot of the softness has been taken away. And you know, there's good things about that and there's bad things about that. But I think that for all of us at this peak moment, we have to ask ourselves some really hard questions. And so I'm coming at this from several different angles with a lot of personal experience of having processed a lot of these things out before the crisis hit. 
That is the dog in the background if you're hearing some noise. So what do I want to talk about today? Well, either you got here in some random way through an email or through YouTube. And if you do like what you hear, I hope you'll choose to subscribe because I've been struggling with what I really need to talk about because I don't want to be one more big old loud voice in a cacophony of noise that's doing nothing but to increasing our stress. And so this particular podcast is linked to the video where I said this idea of containment, the way of containment, the way to containment, and the art of containment is really a way of starving evil from its energy source. All of the fear, the anger, the conflict, the stress, the uncertainty, all the anxiety, the depression, the grief, the loss, the suffering, the sacrifice, all those low vibrational feelings feed what we call evil, darkness, or lower vibration energies. And so it doesn't matter why we are feeling that way, only that we do feel that way. And when we feel that way, we're feeding the beast. You know, the Native Americans have that story of uh, which dog or which wolf are you feeding? You know, they have a picture of a white wolf and a picture of a dark wolf. You know, we talk about that with which angels on your so- shoulder. Like, what are you putting your energy into? What you don't want or what you do want? But what the lessons of the wilderness have taught me is you cannot take your eye off of what you don't want. And the number one thing I think that we're missing as domesticated humans is our ability to take the intellectual abstractions and philosophies, extract from them what is necessary for our long-term survival, and then get busy on what we need to do in the short term for a practical way to survive out in the world. And that's food, that's water, that's shelter, and that's safety. And what we can't do is do it alone. And so these are some of the questions I've been asking myself this week because there's so many things coming down the pike trying to look out in the world and say, okay, which things are real threats? Uh, Is nuclear a threat? Yes, because people think that there is logic and reason involved in war, and that is not how things work. Things can escalate very quickly. And if you think Vladimir Putin hasn't made the decision that he's willing to say go on this before he started all this, then you do not understand his culture, his ideology, his belief system, and the concept of war itself. And that is a huge error because... We often interpret other people's actions, behaviors, and beliefs based on who we think they are because that's who we are. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, And you learn that. You learn that in the wilderness, right? You don't come out here and try to take over all the animals and control nature. Well, you do if you're human. But if you want to survive within the system of nature, you figure out what everybody else is about and how you can cooperate and stay in balance and how you can be uh, in partnership. And that may mean as predator or prey, or it may mean as a cooperative Uh, plant human experience. You don't try to make everything bend to your will, but even worse, you don't assume 
everything else is going to bend to your will because you're special because you're human because that's the way we live we live in a bubble that says I don't have to think about anything because the lights always go on the food is always at the grocery store the water flows the gas flows the car starts and if the car doesn't start well I'll just go pay somebody to fix it right we have chosen to walk away from our responsibility for our basic survival and this exercise I have been in for over 10 years now has been one in that it is so hard to get that back but you absolutely cannot get it back by yourself and so like you I'm watching what's going on and I am sitting physically in a situation that's not safe so I have to make a decision where I'm going to move me and my trailer to and here's another one of the great big lies we tell ourselves we tell ourselves well there's nothing I can do and that is never the truth the truth is is most of us aren't willing to do what we have to do and so as we sit in this precipice the real question isn't where do I move my trailer the real question is how hard do I want to fight to survive because one of the things that occurred to me that we keep missing in the survival conversation or I should say forgetting because I know this but I forget is that the end game isn't just to break America down and to leave it alone the end game is to get rid of Americans because the Chinese want to take over our soil because they have a whole lot of people and very little food and water uh, I don't think most people realize that China has only about 11 percent of its land that is able to produce food and we know how toxic and how much pollution that they've created and initially they were trying to encroach on Russia because Russia has 25% of all the fresh water on the planet you know Russia and Ukraine are a huge breadbasket Russia is one of the biggest it is the biggest country and it has the most natural resources as a country so they're right next door to China so China was eyeballing Russia and uh, Russia was saying no you're not gonna do that and so China has been eyeballing America for a very long time we have so many systems uh, that have been taken over by the Chinese I don't think most people realize how much of our land how much of our farming land how much of our natural resources has been already given over to the Chinese so when I ask the question do you want to survive I don't have the answer for that because you know in my mind I keep forgetting and I keep thinking well I just have to survive through whatever breakdown comes right if it's an economic breakdown if it's nuclear if it's uh, a virus plague right eventually you know the the road warrior stuff will back off and people will need to come together and rebuild but that isn't going to work if China's here and they're just going to take people out and so I don't have any answers but I do know that if you really 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 just wanted to survive you would probably have to get out of America and go find someplace else to go and you know the complimentary crisis to all of this stuff that we're doing to each other right now is 
the cosmic disaster is coming. So even if we could survive what's happening in the immediate, we also know that any time from now into the next you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we're on schedule for a cosmic disaster. And if those of you, if that's new information or you think I'm crazy, uh, there's a ton, a ton, a ton of research over at suspiciousobserver.org or on YouTube to get you started because uh, say what you want, the evidence is mounting. Uh, you know, one of the, as a side note, I got, you know, one of those rabbit holes, I got somehow over to uh, a place called Plasticine Park, which is over in Siberia. It's on, it's on the side that's close to Alaska. Uh, and it's a scientist who was going to save the world from global warming by reinstituting ice age animals on the plains because he found there's so much carbon underneath the soil that when the planet warms and that's released, right, all that carbon is going to destroy the planet. Now, I don't know how a scientist comes up with that, but the point being, uh, it's an interesting concept, but when I started to think about that a little bit further as he was talking about the animal relationship on the plains, the steppe, that exact location, that area that he's at, aligns with, if you look uh, at how the planet is going to shift, it's going to be at the equator. So it's going to warm, and all this plant life and animal life is going to bloom in the Siberian uh, Russian area because it's going to be the new equator. And I thought that makes sense. This guy's got the right idea. It's a good place to be, but he's got the wrong science. So there's so much information and there's so much out there. Uh, you know, I keep asking, where, how can I be a participant in this? And uh, I think this is the place where we're going to have to do some really hard thinking about hard questions not at the abstraction, but how do we interpret the abstractions and apply them in a practical way. So when I say the real core question of the moment in this time, at this moment in this time is, do I want to survive? There's two questions. Do I want to survive the short term catastrophes and implications of all the things coming at us? Uh, And do I want to survive long term? And if you want to survive long term, that is a very regional decision because there's certain parts of the planet that will be unsurvivable. Uh, if you want to survive in the short term, there will be certain parts that will be less survivable. So these are all like humongous decisions that are too much and then we usually move into the frozen place or the runaway place or I don't want to think about it place and I have been living there too for the last couple of weeks because I don't know what to do because I have now the practical experience of how hard survival is. Uh, And I'm going to share with you, I've actually started initiating conversations with my neighbors trying to feel them out because, as I said, I'm parked on a corner with traffic one mile from the highway completely by myself and unprotected. And this is not safe. I can't stay physically where I am. And all my efforts, you know, in the last year to find a place to go, I have just been hitting my head on the wall over and over and over again. Now, at a practical level, this location is probably about the safest spot for me that's close by to protect against a nuclear war. 
And so that thought came to me, well, maybe I'm stuck here because until we're clear of this nuclear war idea, this is the safest place for me, but not sitting on this corner. So as I started to talk to people, trying to fill them out, like there's one guy here who has a good well with a solar pump. Everybody else around here is on electric or mechanical pumps. Uh, some of the water's okay, some of it's not. But there's only a, three or four people, I think, who have actual wells. Uh, and one of them, I know, the water is too hard to drink. So the guy with the solar well is the closest one to me, and it's the one I've had probably the most interaction with since I've been here. But because I never thought I was going to stay, I really haven't worked very hard to develop any kind of uh, friendships with anybody. And he has a wife that's about my age, and she's she expresses concern through him, but she's never initiated any kind of friendship with me. You know, people are always worried, like, somehow I can't take care of myself, even though I've been doing this over 10 years, right? So uh, he, I passed him the other day, and he said, oh, you know, my wife's worried that you're cold because we haven't seen a fire come out. And so I sort of initiated that conversation because... Uh, you know, water is obviously going to be, you know, food, water, and safety are my top three issues. And he made it clear in his own, whether it was conscious or subconscious way, that I was not welcome because his basic response was, well, I don't know what you can do. And he made it clear that if he could see me in some of the places I had said, well, maybe my mistake for telling him some of the places I might want to drive off to, that it was private property or state property, and that he would call the authorities, which is shocking to me because why would he care? But now that the stress is on, he's going into defensive mode. Now, he has, a, he has a, his next door to his property are two vacationers. He says, well, they would be, I would think that would be good if they came back because they're young men. So he gets that young men are safe. He sees me as I would just be a drain on his resources. So I would be pushed out. And he doesn't have a safe location because while he is two miles off the main road, he has a tall metal flagpole thing that's like a beacon that says hey there's a residence here with a road that leads right up to it and you know most of our properties out here are only protected by uh, barbed wire fences which you know for 10 bucks you can buy a cutter and just you know go right through cut the wire go right through right so uh, he will be a prime target because he's the only one that has solar water in the immediate vicinity and so I approached another person because there's uh, a couple lots that are close to the highway, but there's three people who live close by. And I thought, well, I wonder if they've had a conversation because they're at the opening of the property. Uh, and one of them, it looks super, I, I don't know him, but he's got like a huge compound, you know, of animals and trailers and fencing and stuff. And uh, the gal, there's another woman who lives up there and she got defensive and protective. And so they're there was no awareness that there's safety in numbers, even to the value of looking like you have more numbers in terms of uh, vehicles, equipment, things like that. And what I'm seeing, you know, is people are shutting down because their fear is activated. So people who have been extremely friendly and opening and welcoming have 
completely change their personalities. And most of them don't even really know what's going on. And so I take you back to that question. You know, I'm asking that question, where do I go? And where I go really has to be answered by that question, do I want to survive? And the reality to that question is, this is it. You don't have a long time to think about it or to make a change. And most of us are stuck in this frozen place because we're so freaked out. We can't believe this is happening. And we would never do these kinds of bad things to each other. So we can't imagine other people would do bad things to us or say no or steal or, you know, do, you know, kill or all those other things. But uh, one of the pieces of information, you know, that I was Uh, came across was that part of the cyber attack was to turn the EBT, the food stamp card, off in the major cities. Now, in my little town in New Mexico, the lady who ran the uh, grocery store, it was a town of about 900 people, she said that the first time there's any weather, there was terrible panic by people who had EBT cards because nobody stored up any food and they mostly bought processed immediate, you know, cookies, soda, prepackaged stuff. There was no cooking, there was no planning, there was just immediate, I can eat this now food. And so they would get flooded because there was panic. So can you imagine what would happen having a whole bunch of people not have access to food because they don't have any preparations. And when people are panicky, they don't make good decisions. And so the question again becomes, how badly do I wanna survive? Is it time to bug out? Well, if I bug out, I might lose my job. I might lose this, I might lose that. And that gets back to this primary question about, there are things you can do to survive, but are you willing to do them? And that gets us in this stuck, frozen place. And when we're a danger person, if you set my house on fire, I'm going to react immediately. But even as a danger person, the abstraction of of having bad things on the horizon, it can still be very difficult to commit to taking action. Because the truth is, is if we all just turned off our cell phones, we stopped going to work and we grouped in at a local level and figured out how to grow food, how to make water and how to set up a security perimeter, we could survive the short term. Now we are not going to survive the Chinese thing or the cataclysm thing, but the immediate issue would be resolved. But most Americans have lost the capacity to come together in a way that threatens their survival. The immediate defense is to retract into oneself. And I believe we've watched so many movies and we have such fantasy versions of what this whole process is going to look like that that alone is going to be one of the most dangerous things that's going to happen. So at the end of this, I'm going to bring you back to these basic questions. We are at a critical point in humanity's survival. You know, the abstractions are, it is, it is a decision between good and evil. It is about which beast are you going to feed? Which wolf are you going to feed? Which dog are you going to feed? Are you going to feed the dark side or the light side? But 
the difference is it's not am I going to buy organic from the farmer down the street or I'm going to buy uh, chicken from the the evil corporate empire that simplicity is over we're going to have to make these kinds of decisions in the face of survival itself and we're going to have to make these decisions based on this idea of do we really want to live because what we're witnessing and I've been saying this for decades uh, you know America a western civilization is really committing suicide by civilization you know our food is poisoned our air is poisoned you know everything is toxic we've got all these even before this whole COVID thing we've got all these substances in our body you know we eat crap we don't even have access to food with nutrition in it so we've already for the most part made the decision we don't want to live because we keep making choices that are not responsible we keep giving the power of our life over to external entities corporations institutions the other to take care of us and so we're at a critical point where the consequences to those choices are coming to a peak moment so the decision comes again do I want to survive do I want to live and what am I willing to do to do that and so I'm making my list and my list is I can drive back into some deserted spot somewhere hunker down and hope nobody finds me and I could do that for a little while but I can't live you know for a year because soon as winter runs around I'm in trouble right uh, do I keep knocking on doors till I can find somebody that says yes you can park with us uh, only to put myself at risk for being kicked out because they panic or shooting me to take my stuff, right? Uh, do I just get in on the road and just drive? Do I, uh, you know, pick someplace else to go? Or, you know, if I really, 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 really wanted to survive, I would probably either move to Alaska or Siberia, to be honest with you. If I was really I was actually looking at jobs in Alaska and they actually have a lot of mental health jobs so I could probably get a job pretty easily in Alaska somewhere uh, and that would put me at risk for the cataclysm but I would probably be okay through all of the mess that's going down on here in the lower 48 and so uh, it's a real question because we've never had to answer it in a way that required so much from us you know and a lot of it depends on your age on your money on your strength uh, how committed to living you are uh, and how committed we are to holding on to this idea that this isn't happening this can't be happening I don't believe this is happening and I am right there with you I am so stuck because I don't want this to be happening but every day that goes by is one less day that we have to put together a practical plan that will answer the question do I want to survive like how badly do you want to live and it is okay to say 
no. It is okay to say, I'm just going to write it out where I am. It's okay to say, uh, I don't have the energy to do this. We'll just see what happens. And, and that's part of my situation. Like, I barely have the energy to take care of myself on a daily survival. I don't have the energy to work, to bring you uh, a constant, or to, to bring a consistent content to do my daily survival needs and to put together a long-term survival plan because what people don't get is you don't survive unless you're thinking about these things one year at a time, right? There's seasons involved and depending on, you know, where you are physically, how that impacts you. But unless you're someplace that can grow food year-round and you have good water and you have a good security system up with, you know, a community, uh, which is not most of us, there's a few places, but for most of us, that's not happening. You have to make some big hardcore changes. If you're really committed to the idea, do I want to survive? Am I willing to do whatever it takes? And live with the consequences if you're wrong, right? I could be wrong, right? Maybe uh, the aliens land tomorrow and they wipe out all nuclear weapons and, you know, they melt all the guns and they cure all the disease and people just go, oh, you're my savior. And we have, you know, a short-term reprieve before the next round of crazy comes around. So I don't know the future. I do know we're at a critical moment and that if you want to survive... That is the question of the day because practical action must be taken. And I don't think you can do it until you just make that fundamental decision within yourself. And it isn't about, you know, am I going to commit suicide because it's all too hard. Like, it's just practical. You know, I'm telling you, I do not have the energy to do everything it takes to get through what's coming. So I have to make my decisions based on uh, the limitations that I have, just like you're going to have to make the decisions based on what you have. But uh, I just wanted to boil it down because we're, you know, people are lost in the who's right, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, uh, you know, in an observational stance. And, you know, like I've said many times before, we're moving out of the capacity to be passive observers and still survive. Uh, you know, we're, we've almost destroyed our country. We're fast-tracking it to complete destruction. In fact, I don't think it's able to be turned around. It's really too late. Uh, you know, we're just, it's, there, it, you could talk forever about it. It doesn't matter. The bottom line question is, do I want to survive? And then make your decisions around that. Because all the rhetoric, all the intellectual masturbation, which is what most of it is, all the opinions, all the theories, all the videos, all the social propaganda and the media uh, and the wishful thinking and the illusory hero complex and, uh, you know, I'm strong, I can do anything. Like all that goes out the window when people are hungry uh, and when they're thirsty and when they're desperate. And as a social worker and a therapist, I can tell you there is no logic and reason, first of all, ever, but it's even a thousand times worse when people are terrified and fearful and desperate. And we are on the brink 
of that. And so if we don't answer that question for ourselves, do I want to survive? What am I willing to do to survive? How far am I willing to go? That's what Putin has done. He has made that decision. He is willing to go all the way to protect the Russian people in the end, no matter what the cost is. Uh, I keep calling it Sophie's choice. He has the choice of losing everyone and everything as a country, or he has the choice of losing half his country to save the other half if it comes to the bottom line of that. And that's kind of where we're at. We have to make those really hard Sophie's choices. If you have a family, uh, are you going to, you know, you may get to the point where you can't feed everybody. You know, this happens around the world every single day. People just don't understand. We're so coddled in our bubble. Uh, people make these decisions. I just saw a video clip where, you know, the four kids were sitting on the front porch with a sign that says children for sale. You know, people make these decisions every single day. We have been protected from that decision. And it all boils down to, do you want to survive? And some people will sell their children to survive. I can't tell you what to do. I'm not going to judge their choices or their decisions. Uh, do you sell one child to keep the other child alive or do you lose them both? I, I can't answer that. That is, you know, that's out of my, uh, there is no answer for everybody about everything. And most of us have never had to make that kind of decision. We are coming to those decisions. And the more clarity you have on what you're willing to do to survive, the easier it's going to be for you to move forward. But until you make that decision, we're all going to be just frozen because the choices that we're going to be asked to be made are so hardcore that we just don't have the experience. We don't have the constitution to do it. We're not, most of us haven't been prepared to do this, but that doesn't keep it from happening. So super heavy, right? Good God, 40 minutes of intensity. But this is real, man. This is happening. And uh, I don't even know where I'm going from here, but I'm trying to get started doing something that's not just more pontificating. Uh, and the best thing I know how to do is to boil things down to their essence. Uh, it's never an intellectual or abstraction that feeds us at the end of the day. It's the hardcore practical things that we do while at the same time keeping our eye on the horizon and the big picture. So that's what we're going to do here. And with that, my friends, we should all breathe. And I will see you next time.